and welcome back to another episode of Three Guys and a White Coat, the podcast where we give you our insight on the pathway to becoming a medical student. As always, I'm Semler. I'm here with DeYoung Bernazani and our very special guest, Christina, here with us today. Thank you guys for having me. Anytime. So, we, as always, we want to start out with our little disclaimer that, you know, everything that we've told you guys about, everything that our guests have told you guys about, these are more guidelines than hard and fast rules. If someone talks about doing research, you don't necessarily have to do research. If someone talks about that they went overseas and served for six years in Uganda, you don't really have to do that. So just keep, very just keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> were you scared when you were like interviewing? Did you I hear something? very scared. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Christina, um, thanks for being on here. We would love to hear about your story and your pathway to medicine because the reason, again, why we're doing these is we want to make sure that people know that there's not just some formula you use to get to med school. Like, everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different background. And um, you have a pretty cool one. So um, (laughs) why don't you just start us off, a little background about yourself, like where you went to college, what you majored in, where you're from. Yeah, okay. So um, just overall background information, I did not go to college with the intention of going to medical school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to work with kids. Um, Ended up getting into an honors and scholars program at Ohio State where I went to undergrad um, for advocates for children in education. Went down this really long track, thought I wanted to become a principal and then maybe work in education policy. So I became an elementary school teacher and that's what I did before coming to med school. Wow. So that's kind of, I mean, that's very, I mean, a lot of people that we've talked to prior on the show have been like, yeah, I came to college and then like by sophomore, junior year, they were like, I want to do medicine. So like, that's very different for you, which is so cool. Um, how many years was it between when you graduated college and then when you decided you want to go to med school? Yeah. Okay. So I was in my second year of teaching. Um, and actually, so my first year of teaching, I was like, okay, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, but I kind of knew that to be a principal in most States, you have to teach for three years. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to teach for three years. I really like what I'm doing right now, but definitely couldn't do this for a long time. Um, (laughs) and I was teaching down in North Carolina and they have like a pre-administration track. Gotcha. So I got to shadow some administrators, um, and work closely with them to figure out if that's something I really wanted to do. Spoiler, it was not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hence why she's here. (laughs) Hence why I'm a second year med school, our med student now. But yeah, so basically I realized that becoming an administrator and working in policy um, would take away everything that I loved about teaching, which was actually being with the kids and getting to make a difference like with them every single day. Um, Becoming a principal would have been a lot of paperwork, a lot of... um, Angry parents, which I know that that happens. Still going to see that, but I would have missed the daily interaction with the kids as much. Um, so, anyways, I had like what I'd like to call a quarter life crisis. I think I was, I think I was almost twenty five, if not twenty five, when I decided to go back. Um, and it took a while. It took me a long time to figure out that medicine. It's not like I just jumped from teaching and was like, oh yes. I'll be a doctor now. I think that's that's kind of important though. I feel like a lot of times you need to kind of know that you don't want to do something else to know that you want to take this route. And that was probably a big thing for you when you applied and got your interviews and all that. You could say, you know, I've had this concrete experience. I thought I wanted to do this. Turns out it wasn't. And it pushed me more in this direction. I feel like that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think experience and knowing that like what you don't like to do and what 
kind of what you have an idea of doing is really crucial. So I'm glad you had that opportunity to be like, you know what? I didn't like doing all this paperwork. I didn't like not seeing people. Now I want to do something else. Yeah, because as, as a doctor, we never have to do paperwork. No, no. never <laughs> have to do I mean, paperwork. It might be more computer work. <laughs> right. But <laughs> that's for the residents, right? Right. Yeah. Well, for well that's going to be us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess the, the the next question is, I mean, you, you kind of talked about how you wanted to make a difference in children's lives and, and have a, a big impact um, and, and spend time with them. Was, was that the main driving force to be like, doctors, how I'm going to do that? I guess, what was, what was the thing that said medicine? Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. Um, I think at least for everyone I've talked to, there's never been like one, for most people, there's not just one thing that it's the catalyst for you going into medicine. Sure. Um, and that was definitely the case for me. So my aunt and uncle growing up were both physicians. They live in California. Didn't honestly get to see them very much, but I knew that they loved what they did. I was able to shadow them at the hospital growing up and I thought it was really cool. Um, so I always kind of had that in the back of my mind that that was an option. I also have some lawyers in my family. So I thought that that could also be an option. Um, what ended up happening or the path that I took was I was teaching, um, knew I needed a second, like a, a backup plan or a game plan of what I was going to do next. I was scared out of my mind <laughs> to quit my job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, my master's. so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had my master's degree in education too. So I was already pretty committed, um, to working in education. So it was really scary to give up everything that I had worked for, um, for an unknown path. So what I ended up doing was because I wasn't sure, my next job after that was working at an intellectual property law firm. So I was working there. Um, I realized quickly that I also did not want to be a lawyer, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it paid really well. So it was nice to have that job in the meantime while I sure. figured things out. Um, so, and luckily everybody that I worked with, the attorneys were so fantastic and they were really helpful in helping me figure out if law is what I wanted to do or not. Um, and then in the meantime, I really missed once again, working with kids. So I started volunteering at a children's hospital, um, in Charlotte where I was living at the time. And I just had some really great physicians who took me under their wing and kind of like showed me like, Hey, if this is what you want to do, this is what our job is like. And just really mentor me and talk to me about like exploring this as a possibility. Um, so that was probably my third, third or fourth year out of college. Um, and I, at this point was pretty sure I wanted to go into medicine, wasn't sure in what capacity. And I did not have a single science class. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, did you see that as like a mountain being like, what, how do I, how do I do do this? Financial and like time wise, it was just a hurdle. Um, so I literally went back at night and took Gen Chem 1. I was like, okay, <laughs> if I get into A and Gen Chem 1, maybe I'm smart enough to do this. This will work, yeah. Yeah. So I literally took it one class at a time, and I didn't tell anybody other than my husband. He was the only one that knew that I was going back to night school. So I kind of like fell off the grid for a while. My friends and family were like, where are you? I'm like, just really busy Just at work. doing stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I Gen Chem, Orgo. Right. Did you find that one difficult? One of those textbooks then? underneath your desk. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that difficult then? Like going, you know, you come out and you've been working for a couple of years and then you try different things. Do you find it really difficult to be able to go back to school and be like, all right, I, I mean, I don't want to say you're starting from square one, but you said you didn't have any bio background. So it's like starting from like, this is a cell. Oh you know? my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, no offense to my high school growing up, but it was not the strongest uh-huh. <laughs> science background in gotcha. that either. And in college, I think for my major, I just had to take like a really intro level set of science courses. I think I took earth science. Rocks for jocks. Yeah. Rocks for jocks. <laughs> yeah. Rocks for teachers, pretty much. <laughs> you never heard that? No. I've never heard that. I've never heard life. Rocks for Jocks, man. Oh, man. I took I Rocks for Jocks and I was a science major. That. Oh, Goodness. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, so, so, yeah. I mean, did at any point, I guess, did you have to like 
teach yourself again how to study and how to like learn and I guess how does that translate now to the pace that we're at like how does that being out in that gap time help you kind of just focus in and and learn how to study again and on that how how long was this gap like from all total okay so I my background and if you ever want me to stop and explain the timeline you can just ask but it's a little bit of a hairy pass so mm-hmm. i did undergrad in three years did my master's my fourth year so okay. i graduated from grad school in 2013 okay and then obviously we started last year so what is that five years okay yeah yeah, yeah. so five years out um awesome. it took me like because you have to do obviously you have to do your um sciences in order so you can't just do gen chem and then do biochem so i did gen chem one and two over two semesters and like filled them with bio and then did all of orgo in the summer and then biochem that next fall so it took me like a year and a half to get them Dang, all done that's actually okay. that's really impressive yeah it was fast but and then study for the mcat the next year and yeah. application and all that fun stuff yeah so i mean like most of um, the people we've talked to and, and i guess our experience was you know everything that you put on your amcas application you were things that you like were involved in in college like I was a leader at this. I was a leader at this. How did your application look compared to like a traditional out of college application? Yeah, I feel like that was actually one of my strengths that I had because I did have, I mean, I, there was stuff that I, I didn't have room to put on my application just because I am older. So I have a little bit more time instead of just having four years of college to fill in stuff. I had, oh man, I don't even want to do the math. <laughs> you, had, you had a good it, it more experience. experience. Yeah. Cool. And you, yeah. you had, you had real experience too. It's very different than saying, you know, I ran a TV club in college. Being, <laughs> right. I taught kids. Like I was in a room in charge of people. Yeah. I was a salaried, you know, like right. uh, positional person at, in a, yeah. In like a group and you had law experience. So clearly you have a bunch of, I guess, different viewpoints, different perspectives that you were able to bring to your application. So I guess, how did you navigate that? Yeah. So um, I think the best advice that I was given was even if you have, and this, I think this goes for anybody, whether you have a lot of experience or limited experience, you want to pick the experiences that tell your story. Um, And I know it's 2019 and social media is huge. And we talk a lot about branding and like, what's your personal brand? I mean, even you guys for the podcast, you have to think about what is your brand for your show? Sure. Um, And I think medical school applications are kind of the same. You have to decide like, what's my brand? And I think the theme that I went with was I'm a former educator. And while this is a different career and a different field, a lot of my skills are transferable. So I just picked things that kind of told the story of who I was and where I'd been. And you also, I think for non-traditional applicants, you kind of have to be very explicit in explaining how you made that switch. It can't just look like you woke up one day like Elle Woods and was like, I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be That's demonstrated. reference right there. <laughs> That's great. It needs to be demonstrated that you have a plan and you didn't just like show up one yeah. day and decide yeah. to do this. Which is good though. Cause I mean, you were talking about like you had that kind of educator experience. Like we talked in some past episodes about like not relating everything in your application to medicine. And I think that's awesome that you had, I mean, everything, a lot was related to medicine. It was all about, you know, leadership, mentoring kind of skills like that. Yeah. I think a, a really cool thing, like what you said about, about your personal brand, I think that's cool. And in, in that in college, you don't, it takes a lot no. to, and a lot of maturity, <clears throat> maturity that isn't always present, uh, pre- present in your in your college life may still not be present. Yeah. Still <laughs> not be present. <laughs> but like to just have that that foresight and be like, you know what, I am this, I, I not because of what I do, but like what I do is because I am this. So I, I think the way that 
you found that was through your experiences and finding, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And that definitely can speak volumes on, on, on an application saying like, okay, this person is clearly mature. They've seen things. They've had real life experience, which they is know what's going mm-hmm. on. so important. You know, um, you can trust them too. Yeah. Like, but while we're on the topic of your, while we're on the topic of your application, how was that different for you? Cause I know like when I was at Northeastern, I had a pre-med committee who would like kind of tell you, you know, get your letters of rec, get your personal statement. This is what you should be doing. Who was kind of mentoring you through that? Was it the people that you met from your volunteer experience? Were you just figuring it out on your own or like, cause that was probably very different from most people. Yeah, How did you navigate it? I would say, um, don't do what I did. Um, I had nobody because, and it, I don't know. I'm trying to, in hindsight, I'm like wondering how I could have done this differently, but it's hard because when you're a non-trad, a lot of times your undergrad institution does not know how to help you. Uh Um, Ohio Mm -hmm. State does not, at least at the time that I was applying, they don't have any type of committee. There's just too many students for them to organize that for. I I think Ohio State graduates like 60,000 people or there's 60,000 people at the institution. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you guys know, a lot of people come in saying that they're pre-med so it's just not feasible (laughs) for them to have this huge department they do have pre-med advisors so i did reach out to somebody at ohio state um and she was really nice and she kind of helped me narrow down my list i knew that um based on my husband's job like we could technically live anywhere but there were places that were easier for him to commute to for work Um, (laughs) so we kind of narrowed down a list figured out where i would fit in and other than that i don't think i had too much guidance i read a lot so whether these people knew that they were my mentors or not, um, I read a lot of books. I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, there was actually, if I can find the name, I can have you guys like link it in your show notes descriptions. But there was this one pre-med at the time or a med- medical student on Instagram. And he's, I think he's at the Mayo Clinic now. I think he's in his fourth year um, of medical school there. And I asked him a ton of questions because oh, he, was, really? he oh. was a teacher too. And he had a really similar story to me. He was married, um, was a teacher for a while, ended up going to Mayo for med school. And I had so many questions for him. And he told me about this book that he read. And he was like, it, he was like, this book changed my application process. You have to find it. Well, I go online and the book is no longer being printed. It was being sold on eBay for like $2,000. Oh my oh God. What? It was like a used copy of this, like how to get into med school book. Put, put, put it on the loan. There, yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember what it's called. It's called top tier pre-med. So top tier pre-med. Yeah. So you look it up and I'm like, I'm Matt's not kidding you. It, it right was now. literally like a grand. And I was like, well, this guy says I have to have it. Don't worry. I didn't pay for it. <laughs> what I did was, and I think that this is like a lesson in life and, um, this was this was probably like one of the coolest moments on my application process path. Not that it was that um, wildly important, but basically, I reached out to this author and I was like, "Hey, look, I really need your book. Like, I have heard such great things about it. I was like, it's going no for like a thousand dollars on eBay right now." And it turns out this guy was working at the Cleveland Clinic. He was in fellowship. Whoa. Yeah. And so I reached out to him and I like made it the Ohio connection. And I was just like, I would love to meet up with you like and get some advice from you or whatever. And he ended up sending me a PDF of his manuscript. No way. That's, yeah. that's That is incredible. some determination right there. Isn't to, that so cool? That's so cool. And so like when you got that in, in the email, like, I mean, was he just like, hey, awesome, by the way, whoop. Yeah, he was literally like, I have been where you are. He was like, reach out if you ever need help. It's better It's better to ask and instead of just wonder and regret. So he sent me the PDF. And I, I mean, that book was 
incredibly life-changing. And he said that in in that email, he said he was hoping to re-release it. So okay. hopefully okay. it's out now. He did say. It is on Amazon right now for $130. Oh my gosh. See, it's wow. super expensive. Yeah. But it's re-released. But that's, yeah. in, that's incredible. Blind demand. Way to go. Like, way to just like see that and just be like, you know what? I need this resource. I'm, I won't be, I won't be stopped. You know? Yeah. Did you talk about that in like any of your interviews? I didn't know. Because <laughs> I feel cow. like if you had, I feel like they would have been like, Oh my God, that is such de- like determination and grit to go get that. She really yeah, wants. She really yeah. wants it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that that's a great. I mean, part of your life. Like you knew that. You know, like applying to med school after college, and, and you know, going through that whole process. But you still went to school. You went. You went. Took those prereqs. You went. And got that book. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, and I think it. I feel like that's a theme that's come up a lot in my pre-med journey and now in med school. Like you cannot be afraid to ask. Like the worst thing that they're going to say is no or I mean honestly that that is the worst thing. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> no. And it's really worse than that. not that yeah. bad. So yeah. it's the, better to ask. Yeah, I was going to say like better 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 to try. So, I mean other than that, I mean that's an incredible story in and of itself. Um did you find like Mike mentioned this earlier that you had those physicians that you kind of worked with when you were volunteering. Did you use your aunt and uncle as like, um, I don't know, just kind of talk to them. How how did you get a perspective of what life as a medical student or physician looked like? Yeah. And my aunt and uncle would be the first to tell you that what medical school was then is far, far removed from what it is now. (laughs) (laughs) So they were pretty blunt that their advice probably wasn't as applicable to what I'd be going through. Um, But it was just nice to see like, They've been doing this for a while, and they still love it. Um, my aunt just retired. My uncle um, is also retired. So they are kind of in a different generation of medicine. Um, but it was it's always been reassuring to hear how much they loved it and how they – and they were both – I didn't realize that this at the time. I wish I, I would have known. But they also went back to med school, and I think they were both 30 when they went back. Wow. wow. Yeah, so they had different backgrounds too. My uncle was um, an engineer, and then my aunt – I mean, she did a lot of different things, but – so Very cool. Backgrounds. That's yeah. awesome. Very cool. So it runs in your blood. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in addition to, to getting to medical school, um, you ta- I mean, you mentioned the volunteering. Did you do any, you know, specific service things that r- were really meaningful to you? You love working with kids, so I'm guessing something revolved around there. Yeah. Um, and I, I, this is one thing I did want to share on the show when you guys were asking me if there's anything specific I wanted to mention. Um, so one thing, and is, this kind of goes back into your personal brand, but I think it's so important to find things that you're passionate about, and then that's going to translate into your application. I would, I think that's the best advice is that you should do the things you were going to do regardless of whether or not you're applying to med school. I think any time that you do something just because you think it'll look good on an application, that's when, I don't know, you're just not as passionate about it, and people can see right through that. Um, so that, luckily, I did not know I wanted to go to med school, so most of my activities I had started before um, knowing that that was something I was going to have to do. But a lot of my background is, like you said, working with kids. So um, I've always done mentoring. One thing that I was really passionate about both in college and then as working as an elementary school teacher was helping kids who were first generation, um, who would be first generation college students get into college. And that, I mean, that honestly, it starts as early as elementary school. But I worked with a lot of high school students, both when I was at Ohio State and when I was at a teacher at the local high school that was attached to my elementary school. Um, so that's something I'm super passionate about is first-generation college students. Um, did a lot of volunteer work with that. Volunteered at the hospital. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I coached soccer. 
I don't I play nice. soccer, but did so you really? Fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what age group did you have? I had three and four-year-olds because oh. I am not very good at soccer, but at least I was better. So that's, not, that's, not, that's, that's just like running around, like yeah. try and go to the ball. Oh, yeah. Throw, kick it, kick it somewhere. Yeah. Mom and dad just want them to be tired. By yeah, the time exactly. Oh, yeah. That's still like that, that age where like the, the, the shorts go down to their ankles and like the shirts are kind of like hitting their arms the, even going through the sleeves. The one kid's the in the corner like picking his nose, yeah. like someone's rolling out on the grass. <laughs> was that you, Matt? You probably had some amazing I was one of those i will not tell you which one <laughs> started a group <laughs> but no i um back to what you were saying is I, I think authenticity um is so crucial and like you said you know um a lot of people uh feel pressured to do volunteer things at a hospital or so, in some way shape or form related to medicine because they're like you know i have to show that i want to do medicine i gotta do this to show that i want to be with people and yeah. i want to mm-hmm. be in a clinic and picking up scalpels and right. that right. i kind of sort of know what it's that's like not, that's not how it goes yeah. at all like, and, and yeah. then they come in right like i was uh you know i volunteered at the in the er and i saw blood you know like <laughs> yeah. stuff like that right. um and it's it's not real like people can t- like even on paper people can tell that you weren't totally invested and yeah. i think that that's you, so yeah. incredible yeah you did it to put it on your application yeah yeah so i think just having that authentic track record of doing things that may not be related to medicine may have nothing to do with medicine but are still things that you're passionate about can show you know the admissions committees that you can find things that you like to do and you can make a difference yeah. and you're willing to dedicate they really like that and the other thing too that we talk a lot about when it comes to these volunteer experiences is how long did you do these for? Oh, I mean, like, years. Yeah. And I think that's huge. Is a lot of people will do things for one day or one summer, and I think that's great. There's a time and a place for that. But Longevity. I think it shows you're more passionate if you're in something for multiple years. Um, one program that I'm involved with now is called CASA. Um, and I think if you're a pre-med or if you're in college, I think it's great because you have a lot more flexibility in school. But CASA is an organization for anyone who's looking to get involved. Um and it stands for court appointed special advocates. So you are, you go through this big training to work with kids in the foster care system, and then the court will appoint you to a case. And I personally, I mean, we're busy in med school now. So now I only work with um, just one kid at a time, but you can get appointed to work with siblings um, and entire families. And you're just kind of that point person for that kid throughout their duration in foster care. And then you make your recommendations to the court at the end when it's time to decide whether or not they're going to go back with their biological family or stay in foster care. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all volunteer based, but um, they love pre-meds. They love medical students. It's ideal if you're in college because you have a lot more flexibility with your schedule and you never know when these um, you're going to have to appear before the court. But I think that's a great organization and it's national. There's one, I think in every state. And time-wise you were doing that leading up to medical school yeah so i actually i reached out like right before we started school but the bulk of my involvement has been this past past year but i've met a lot of people who are medical students who are volunteers with me right now great great that's that's a very cool experience yeah and i think like for anyone who's freshman sophomore in college uh listening right now like definitely find those things you know get out of your comfort zone just like join something volunteer somewhere and and see if it's a fit and see if it's something that you really, you know, find yourself wanting to go back. I know for me, it was doing things with like Special Olympics. Uh, I wanted to do that every year or um, just just find something like do something that you may not have done otherwise. That yeah. you enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. just do it to do it like we've talked about. Like right. you just said, it's all about find something that you like, something that you enjoy, whether it's medically related or not. And just go have fun with it. We've talked about this before that. 
you know, this is something that you're doing on your own free time. You should be doing something that you enjoy. And so you've talked a lot about volunteering. A lot of things that people will talk about, you know, the volunteering, the research, all that. Did you have any background in research or like... Yeah, my um, research experience, I I was, even though I was a little bit older, I was still under the guise that I needed to have research. So as soon as I decided to go back to med school, I actually got a full-time job in a research lab at Ohio State, um, not really understanding what bench research was going to entail. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I, I mean, it was the time of my life. I learned so much probably will never do bench research again, but I worked in an immunology lab at Ohio State, um, and we did a lot more than just immunology. We did a lot of microbiota research, um, and everything, though, was done on a pig. So I'm not kidding you. My PI would say, I have this great idea. Let's try it in a pig. So it was like (laughs) just tons of random experiments done in pigs, which was kind of interesting. Interesting. So did you you get any hands-on work with pigs? Did you have that kind of training, or...? That is the, bench. the understatement of the year. <laughs> I'm like haunted by pigs now. Gotcha. Yeah. So no bacon. Uh, for a while, no. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of brought up research. I was going to ask, do you have, with all the experiences that you've had, is there one that kind of sticks out that has been like, this is the thing that has kind of prepared me most for medical school, or this is the thing that, you know, maybe, maybe it's something you wish you would have done, but is there something that really sticks out in your time off that was like, all right this is like why I want to do medical school. Like this is going to prepare me the most. Okay. So what prepared me the most? Yeah. Hmm. I definitely think teaching, um, I feel like if you can teach somebody something and you understand how different people learn, it's kind of selfish, but you can really apply that to yourself and figure out how you best learn. So I think, and I think Matt, you had asked this before and I, I don't know if we got to answer it, but in terms of like going from not being in school to back to being back in school, I feel like teachers, I don't want to say we have it a little bit easier, but we kind of understand like the pedagogy and how people learn. And if I'm not learning this way, what are some different ways that I can try? And I think that that kind of training has been invaluable to me. And I think it's also, I mean, I'm hoping will come in um, handy in the future when you have to explain things to patients and they obviously don't have your science background, don't want your science background, but they still need to know what's going on and they're concerned and they're scared and they, they just want to understand. And I think that that's something that um, teaching really prepares you for. Even just talking to patients in general, you've probably had so many difficult conversations or awkward conversations that when you're in the clinic, even if it's something that's not medically relevant, you will have had so much experience just knowing how to navigate that realm of how to tell someone something that they may not want to hear or something that's going to be awkward or different. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it com- it would come up in school every day. There's a kid who is having difficulties with their performance or their behavior, and you have to relay that information to the parents. And I think it's a huge skill. And I know a lot a lot of people harp on pediatrics because you have like almost three patients. You've got the actual patient <laughs> and the two parents on top of that. Yeah. Um, and I do think that teaching gives you that experience working with parents and working with administrators. Um, but yeah, I think that that was definitely... So how do you approach those conversations? <laughs> um, yeah. As someone that wants to go into pediatrics, how do you approach those conversations? Wait, do you want to go into pediatrics? I want to do med peds. <gasps> Matt, I'm so See, excited. I learned this the other day too. <laughs> You're going to be so good. I hang out with him like every day and he the other day told me that and I was like, I, I did not know that. You're going to be <laughs> so good. Victim. We'll see. Well, we got to get a match first, but hopefully. Yeah, no, you're going to do awesome. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do great. 
Um, I think one of the first things that you can do that really helps is just setting the stage and the understanding that we're, we all want the same thing. We all want this child to either succeed or get better or whatever, whatever the circumstance is. And I think that once you realize that everybody has the same goal, then you can kind of see the di- different points of view and understand how the other person might be feeling and just recognize that you're working as a team to help this kid. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, not to completely drift away from, you know, the future uh, of, of what we all want to do. <laughs> of Matt's Medped's future. He's going to go residency application. Right. No. <laughs> um, I know you mentioned a little bit earlier about when you were applying to schools, um, you were kind of looking based off of um, making it convenient for your husband as well. Were there any other criteria or like certain things that you wanted out of the schools that you applied to? Yeah, I actually, um, a big interest of mine is bioethics. I'm, I'm so close <laughs> to finishing my master's in bioethics. I just have to do my thesis and then I'll be done. So hopefully the next time, if I'm ever invited back, I can proudly say that I have <laughs> master's degree. There you go. Um, but I was, I was specifically looking for a medical school that had a bioethics department attached with the hospital or with the school. Um, a couple that come to mind are Loyola, which... Hey, we're here. here we <laughs> um, and then Georgetown has a really strong bioethics program. Uh, University of Chicago does. Creighton also does because of their um, Catholic Jesuit background. Jesuit background. You yeah. got three of them on there. I know. I was going to say. <laughs> so uh, there's a few different schools that have a strong bioethics program. So that was one of my main criteria in, addi- in addition to location. Cool. Very cool. Um, so one thing that we always like to talk about, Norm, this is Mike's question. I don't want oh, yeah. to steal your oh, thunder. No, you, you, Ooh, okay. so I'm going to no, underhand no. toss it. Mike, why don't you ask? about my segue man go ahead uh, the the interview process oh okay yeah so my favorite thing i sorry guys i'm operating without a uh, headphone today so if my mic kind of goes in and out matt matter being like move forward, move forward. <laughs> um my favorite thing to talk about is i feel like everyone gets asked like a really cool question or like a really hard question on their interview is there anything in your mind that just like pops out that you're like this was like a crazy question or i really nailed this one okay two popped into my mind okay the go with both the weirdest question and i've actually been asked this question twice which makes me think that it's in a book somewhere because you don't just come up with this on yeah the okay yeah. Yes with it. i was asked this once in a pageant and second in a medical school interview so i was like oddly prepared um <laughs> but the question was if you had to be anything decorating the hat what, what would you be whoa huh, interesting. what are my options was no it was literally anything like the world anything? i'd be the logo i'd be the logo wow my gonna <laughs> be the center of attention don't you yeah i mean you serve no purpose other hey, than to get looked personal at. branding man <laughs> oh yeah hey okay wait wait so now how did you answer the first time you were asked it, and how did you answer the second time? Okay, I want to hear what you guys would say first. Okay, wow. Uh, uh, I might go, go ahead logo. and flesh that out. Be the logo? Yeah, I would be the logo. You know, you want to make sure that you stand out. Um, you want to make sure that you're recognized what for sure. What would your logo be? Oh, I have to pick the logo? Yeah. Huh. Not that, it's not that easy. Well, I thought that the logo part was pretty hard. <laughs> what would I be? Huh. I think I'd be a, I think I'd be a thought bubble. Wait, well, on a hat? Would yeah. your thought bubble be well, like the, the, It's supposed to represent who you are, and I feel like I'm very into thinking. I feel like it would like really stand out that I don't like to just take things for surface value. I want to like really think behind it, let you know what's going on, what like my process is and all that. He's drawing this out, guys, as he's talking about it. So like in about like 
couple of weeks, you're going to see it on Amazon <laughs> for about 20 bucks. So wait, wait, what, <laughs> kind of, what kind of hat yeah. has a thought bubble on it, though? I don't know. This Mike's is a hat. theoretical question. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing like a little halo with like a little chicken wire holding up. Like, a little <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like I really like these kind of abstract questions. I'm really glad I did not get asked this yeah. one. Okay. Sam's, you got something? I, this is going to be weird, but like. Weird than a thought bubble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually. You know those like you know those hats that they like put on like or I don't even know if they're hats they're like when you like tie a string around a horse and you put like a carrot in front of it. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah you beat me. Like a, hear like me. A, okay. Hear me out. Put like something in front of them. I don't know. Maybe like I don't know. I really like sweets. So put like some candy out there. Kind of like the driving force, like motivating people to like go after their goals. Mm, so you're the carrot, not the stick. You better have a good answer, to young because you've been smirking this whole time. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I, t- I took this super literally. I, th- I, I was like, you I know, did like, too. What do you want to be on the hat? So in my head, I'm thinking of a normal baseball cap and I'm He's like, like, the bill. What am I on? <laughs> no, I, I was thinking about being like the strap on the back. Like, I don't Holding like, everything together? Not... Jeez, wow. I know, right? Real, <laughs> real sappy. No, no, I think that, like, the, I mean, it, it may not, like, be the most, like, out there unless it's backwards. If the hat's backwards, no. you can see the strap. So I'm kind of a backwards kind of person. Um, you think you're better than us? <sighs> <laughs> Maybe better than the thought bubble. Well, um, it could mean that you're adaptable because you can fit different sizes. Yeah. Don't help him out. Thank you so much. I, I was totally Don't help him. He's way. digging <laughs> his own grave right now. Don't help him with that. It was about being supportive and being like an integral part of the system without necessarily always needing to be at the front unless it's flipped around. I love that. Hence and the logo. adaptable. <laughs> adaptable. Okay, now please help us with a good answer. I did not have a good answer. I think you guys all talked to me. <laughs> well, see, like, we were thinking way too hard. We are like, okay, well, how are we going to show ourselves? Like, I was going to say, now that the interviewers all probably looked at us and be like, what the heck are you guys talking about? Yeah, he looked at Mike and was like, no, 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 a hat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What, what, did, what did you say? Okay, this is an awful answer, and I'm, I might have you cut this because it's that embarrassing. <laughs> no, no, we like it. Um, no, I said that I would be a sunflower um, because, okay, you also have to keep in mind the first time I heard this question, it was on stage and I just heard four people answer this in front of me. Um, yeah, we're going to cycle back to that because yeah. so <laughs> yep, we need to know more. They had really bad answers too, so that's okay. <laughs> but I said I was going to be a sunflower um, and the only thing I could think of, I literally panicked, but I was just like, sunflowers are happy and they're bright and if you give somebody a sunflower, it usually brightens their day. Um, that was what I was going okay, for. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Like it's that. a lot better answer than sweets in front of it on a string. Oh, I, like <laughs> I still think the thought bubble really wasn't that bad. <laughs> if, I needed, if I didn't need this mic, but I also I can't hear myself talking back into my ear right now to know what it actually sounds like when I say it. So who knows? Yeah. Trust me, it sounded pretty bad. <laughs> okay, all right. Now the second time, did you stick with sunflower? I did. I panicked again. <laughs> I felt more prepared. I didn't pause as long, but at least I had answered this before and it seemed well received. Sure. Wow. What a great question. What about the second? You said there was two. Okay. Yeah. The second question. I just really loved this question because I think that I, I mean, I've asked this as somebody doing an interview, so I think it can tell you a lot about a person, but they asked me if you weren't going into medicine, what would you do? And for me, I mean, obviously I have Dr. Mirza. No, uh, wait, is she an anesthesiologist? He teaches our class. Oh. <laughs> Can you tell I don't go to lecture? <laughs> You're not a lecture goer, so I'm not surprised. Uh, I don't know who these but, So are. he asked me the same exact question. I got asked, like, if you don't go into medicine, like, what are you going to do? 
Yeah. But so how did you answer it? Okay. So the person that was asking me this question, she was an anesthesiologist and we had similar life backgrounds and hers was like more of a fun question. Like if you could do anything in the world. Um, and I said that I would be the host of a kids science TV show. That's oh, I think that would be so Bill, fun. I like it. Bill, Bill, like a, Bill. Yes. A modern Bill Nye. <laughs> So you, so fun. that's awesome. Cause I've heard like a lot of people be like, they kind of like take the easy way out and they say like, Oh, I'd be doing research or like, I'd be a grad student. I'd be a nurse. Cause it's the closest thing nurse. I could do. I right. like that. Like you went like, like, yes, you have the Four teacher PA. background, but you went like way out there. Like that's something that's like, it's a secret passionate. Dream. Yeah. Okay, it's great because yeah. like that shows that again, you're being authentic. That's what yeah. they want. They don't want you to give them an answer that they, that you think they want. Exactly. So like, what would you guys say? Whew. All right. I went last. I'll go first this time. I've I got asked this question oh, on an interview. Actually, I said I would go on Broadway. Yes, I would try to go on Broadway. There you go. Like, I would try to sing. <clears throat> Mike, you said yeah. so. Mine was more along the lines of like, what would you do afterwards? And my answer was like, I don't think I would have applied to medical school again, but I definitely would have done something related to it, like like trying to help advance the field or all, and anything like that. But now, from what I've done in school, I definitely would be like in photography or like film or something like that. Maybe it would still be medically relevant, like what I'm doing here, but it would definitely involve my camera, hundred percent. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, I would. I would definitely go try and be an actor. I think. I think acting is is so so. So we cool. need to start a show or something. We've got four <laughs> people here. With Three guys in a white coat going on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. So Mike will do the uh, the, the. I'll the write film. the script. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I'm gonna do the jingle. Do the Can j- I be the <laughs> There you go. Perfect. We got it. And apparently, Mike. I'm not the only one in front of camera here. No. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Actor. Oh, great. Excellent. I'll just talk to myself, which is not normal. <laughs> Um, great. So now d- before we, we lose it, um, <laughs> we still got to do letters of wrecking personal. Yeah. But I, I do want to know a little bit more. You said pageant. Um, <laughs> tell us about this experience that involved you in a pageant. Yes. Okay. So if you put scholarship money on a poster and advertise it, I would probably sign up. So <laughs> no, it was a great experience. I don't know if I would, I mean, I did it twice and I won Miss Congeniality, so I didn't win Miss Ohio, but it was definitely an experience. I learned a lot about myself and about people in general. Wow. I would, I wish I could say that the pageant stereotypes aren't all true, mm. but a lot of them are really true. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them aren't, but a lot of them really are. <laughs> gotcha. Wow. That's so you have just a, plethora of, of just like human interaction experience was like, that on the application um i don't remember if i included that i, don't know if <laughs> I love how like you like this is great you have so many cool like background stories like this one didn't make the don't cut. even like need to put some of these <laughs> on there which like people would have been like i need something yeah, yeah thanks for not being on my interview day because like <laughs> that would have looked awful <laughs> no no I, and I, I think just just this again this reinforces the thing is that you know do, like just be involved in things and like whatever you do is an experience of life that is capable of shaping you your character or whatever and 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 helping you develop your the personal brand, brand. The mm-hmm. personal brand. That is going to be the name of your episode, by the way. Oh, the personal brand. Yeah. Right. I love that. We always try to pick the name of the episode while you guys are talking. Yeah. So I think this is a, uh, a, good, a good way to segue into what we were just talking about a second ago is letters of recommendation. How did you go about snagging those? Because we've used professors. We've used, you know. PIs. Whatever. But so what did, yeah. who did you approach and how did you approach them? Okay. So I, once again, <laughs> I'm going to go back to you should do things that aren't just for your application. So you should 
I mean, ideally you're making connections with professors and with your employers and other people that you look up to because you want to, not because you feel like in the future you're going to need a letter of rec. Um, so I was really fortunate. I had already developed some really close relationships with some physicians and with my professors um, and obviously my old employers as well. Um, and I was really open and transparent about like, this is what I think I want to do. I'm not sure. And I asked for a lot of advice, went to them for help. Um, and I think that if you build those relationships early on and if you go to them later and you already have a strong relationship with them, they're going to have no problem writing you a letter of recommendation. I think the issue that people have is when they're like, shoot, this school requires two science letters of rec, and I only know one professor really well, so I'm going to go ask the second person really quick, and your letter's <laughs> yeah. probably not going to be very strong. Like, Hi, you write a generic letter? Right. Just write right. name at the top? Yeah. Right. And I don't, I'm sure people have mentioned this on your show before, but one thing that I think was a great piece of advice was when you ask for a letter of rec, the way that you phrase it can tell you everything. Mm-hmm. You guys are nodding like you've already mentioned this before. No, no, no. No, I think this is something that we've all had experience Personal with, experience. But yeah. you never <laughs> said that out loud, so I'm glad you're addressing it. Yeah. So, okay. I And this goes back to, like, reading tons of different books about the application process. And just, I mean, this is these are transferable skills. You can use this in real life when you're looking for a job one day, for residency. Um, but when you ask somebody for a letter of rec, you always say... Hi, so-and-so, like, I really enjoyed um, your mentorship and your help, and I I do feel like we have a great relationship and that you really know me well. Do you feel like you could write me a strong letter of recommendation? And if they hesitate for more than a second, even if they say yes, don't take their letter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be sure that they're going to write you a strong letter, and usually they're so excited, and they're like, they're like, I was hoping you would ask, or I've been waiting for you to ask. They yeah. know the drill. Yeah. They know the process. Yeah. They circled that day on the calendar. Oh, yeah. They asked. They might even have it already <laughs> written. So I think that that's really helpful. And I think another thing I did for my letter writers, just to make it easier for them, um, I had, because every school requires, I mean, most of them are the same. It's like a couple of science professors, maybe one non-science, an employer, a character reference. Um, so I just made, I made sure that I had a lot of different references available so I could send them to the different schools. And I made like a packet with... Um, a copy of like my transcripts and um, kind of like my resume almost and then like expanded sections that I was going to turn in for AMCAS for my essay so they knew like my intent and they could highlight different things and then also um, I think it's on AMCAS there's a um, a PDF about what they are looking for in letters of recommendation and I just nicely stapled that to the back of the packet <laughs> and it's like we like to see students who demonstrate this and it was like directly from AMCAS and I just I casually slipped parts. that in so <laughs> no did most of the people that wrote yours was it their first time writing a like medical school letter of recommendation a couple of them it was like my old principal he was like well never thought this was gonna happen <laughs> he was writing one of his teachers a letter of recommend school um, and then I had one of the attorneys that I used to work for write me a letter of rec, um, and then my PI from my lab, and then a couple of my old professors. So that's great. Yeah, it that was a nice so mix. Cool. But the lawyer one had no loopholes. I know they <laughs> covered all the bases. It's like <laughs> such a wide range of like things. It shows like so many different sides of like what you've gone through and what you've done. It's that, awesome. Did that's you really try cool. to like spread out so that they each covered a different thing, or were you just like, I really like these people. I I, I don't I don't care. I just want them to write it. Or did you try to, like, spread it out and get different things covered? I tried to pick. So I had um, a couple of different employers. I don't think I sent, like, it's not like every school I applied to I sent, like, all of my work history and those letters of rec. Um, I, for my, I knew what each of my letter, luckily they both, they all told me kind of, like, the theme they were going for for their letter. So I had one lady um, who, she wrote a letter about my volunteer experience as a mentor um, cause I'd been working on this project through Ohio state, like up until recently before we started school. So I had a lot of longevity with that. Um, 
this, okay, this is kind of a funny story. My biology teacher, one of our students in, that I was a student with in this class, um, all of a sudden was incredibly ill and called our biology teacher right before her test. And the teacher called me. I'm like literally on my way to my biology exam. And my professor calls me and says, this is really random. This is, and I won't say her name, but this is Dr. So-and-so. Can you please take this student to the hospital? Here's her address. I'll excuse you from the test. You can take it the next day. We just need to get her to the hospital. <laughs> so she wrote about that in her letter, which I think was really cool. Um, so that was kind of a fun story to tell. But other than that, like you don't really know a bunch about like what's going to go in each letter because you waive the rights to view them. Um, yeah. But sometimes they'll send them to you and you get to hear them. That's Did you, so cool. quote unquote, know anyone who had to write their own okay my pi almost asked me to write my own letter which i get that this happens all the time um but he was like would you rather write the letter yourself and me sign off on it or would you rather me write it and to be honest i'd rather him write it yeah (laughs) so I, i just had him do that um but he did send it to me and it was really nice he said some really nice things so that worked out but I do think it's tough. Did you guys have to write your own letters? Either I'm super naive or maybe I just, I I have never heard about that before. I I knew it was an option. I never had to, but I had friends whose PIs would say that. And we've talked about this before. It's it's very much a personal call because you're not going to write that like you discovered the world and then your PI is just going to sign off on it. You're going to (laughs) write things that you did. But we've talked about this with the three of us that, I don't feel like I could write about myself well enough versus someone else writing exactly. what I did. I just feel like it, it's more, well, I guess that's the point. They write it, so it's personal, but it's more personal <laughs> if it comes from them. Yeah, and yeah. like that's just writing like a slightly skewed personal statement then round two. Basically. I don't know. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's it's, just, it yeah. can be really common, happens. though, in research, yeah. especially. They're, I mean, they're busy people, and they're used to writing letters of rock for their grad students, so that's kind of the drill, but wow. yeah, it is awkward. Or there's like a cut and paste, like fill in the fill in the. You blank. didn't know that, Dion? I had no idea. Really? Oh, interesting. I thought I, we we definitely. T- oh no, he wasn't there for that one. He was his oh, birthday. Oh yeah, that's oh, why he doesn't know. Right. So sorry about. I forgot about that. that. How dare Wait, you? That was, that was a while ago. Yeah, I know. That's why I couldn't remember. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I actually just listened to that one today because it popped up on YouTube when I was sending it to Northeastern. Uh, wow. Okay. okay. Well, good to know. Glad uh, glad you stayed honest there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way, to ha- way to show that integrity. Yes. But I think, and I think it'll happen to us again when we're applying to residencies. I think it'll be more yeah, common. Yeah, it'll be mm-hmm. even more common where doctors will be like, oh yeah, write the letter and I'll send it off. All right. Wow. I'll get used to writing about myself. Just personally, do you like, do you object to someone who does it? Like, do you, like, like, do you think it's wrong if someone does do it? Because personally, I don't care. No, I don't. I don't think it's wrong because it's. I think it's a pretty accepted practice. Yeah, and they still have to sign off on yeah. it. Yeah, um, I do think. Not that I think it's unethical, but I do think that the letters are stronger if they wrote them themselves. You think? I would agree a hundred percent with that. If wait, if the. If the he, applicant said, wrote oh, them no, themselves, no, no, no. Sorry, oh, the okay. Reviewer. Yeah, the I'm person like, tr- who I'm is to, signing off. I'm trying yeah. to think of like me, like my letter. If I wrote it myself, would suck. Oh, so I awesome. couldn't even write my personal statement. This whole Never mind, write my own letter <laughs> recommendation. That's great. Wow. Okay, I I learned a thing. Hopefully, you guys did too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, you brought a personal statement. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I was trying to segue. Go for it. No, no, you got it. You got it. 
I don't remember what we okay. asked. Well, how about this? <laughs> what, what was the most standout thing that you think your personal statement was able to convey about you? Was there a specific anecdote, story, or experience you focused on that really drove home, this is my brand, this is Christina? The point where like you're reading it to yourself and you're like, oh yeah, this is where it gets good. This is where they're going to cry. or This is where they're going to be like... I'm taking this girl. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm actually like traumatized from having to write my personal statement. <laughs> How many times I did think, you write it too? Okay. I only wrote it once, but I, and I, I mean, I proofread it and like had people edit it, but I think it's the most awkward thing in the world to have to write about yourself and like talk yourself up. I think it's so awkward and it's just, it does not come natural to me at all. Um, but back to personal brand, um, I really do think that your personal statement should go with the narrative and it should match the rest of your extracurriculars and your letters of rec. So if in your personal statement, you're talking about your work as an educator, but then you don't have any experiences that are extracurriculars or volunteer work or any letters of rec that reference that it's going to be, I mean, I think that'll be a little bit of a red flag. Um, so for mine, I'm trying to think, what did I write about? None of us ever remember. Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember. I remember. You don't remember? Well, we actually had to read ours recently for the podcast, so I, I do remember mine, but before do you remember that, yours, no chance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you want to add to that? Do you, do you want me? My dad still <laughs> says that that was one of his favorite segments of our podcast so far when you came on the microphone and you dropped that introduction. Matt's opens with like him. Should I? I yeah. mean, you yeah. might as so well. You For anyone that hasn't listened before, this is going to be if great. If you haven't listened to the PS segment after our personal statement, my personal statement <laughs> was talking about a trip that I took to Tanzania and where we did like a lot of HIV education or like HIV positive patients. And so like, as we're like on this trip, my, uh, my the um md and the nurse who are there they knew i was applying they're like all right i got your like intro to medical school i was like yeah say it i was like what's like what's gonna be and they're gonna be like you're gonna get up there the first thing you're gonna say is i stood in front of a group of 20 teenage adolescents holding a condom in one hand and a wooden penis in the other hand (laughs) and that's all he has to say (laughs) okay as soon as you said that i remember hearing this story before okay yes i Uh, must have pushed it into the way back (laughs) i I tried to we're never gonna forget (laughs) that one i mean i guarantee you after the fat line the person who was reading was like oh this is gonna be good so wait did you end up using that yeah i'm not kidding that's That's what what that was literally my opening line in my personal statement so anyway back to you Oh, okay. Um, wait, did, it, did anybody else want to share? Oh, no, no, no. This is about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, This yeah. is about you. They don't need to hear about us again. I think we should. No, that's in another segment, but tell us about yours. Okay. Um, I don't remember the specifics, and it definitely wasn't as great as Matt's. <laughs> but I think mine, I think the beginning of mine was talking about how we were all sitting on the floor of the classroom, and like all the kids, we were all going around sharing, like, what do we want to be when we grow up? And everybody was like, firefighter, or I want to be a teacher. And then somebody said that they wanted to be a YouTuber. And then I said I wanted to be a doctor. Um, But the plot twist was that I was actually the teacher of the class. Oh, I I like that. that. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so like you were like saying at the stage, like you were like a little kid. Right. Saying, I want to be a doctor from like day one. Then it's like, no, I was actually a grown adult. (laughs) Yeah, I was the teacher. And this was like a true story too. And it just like came out of my mouth. Like I, at this point, I think this was my first year of teaching. And I'm not kidding you, half my class wanted to be YouTubers when they grew up, which wow. is, it's really hard to instill that school's important when yeah. your career goals are YouTube. 
I'm going to do makeup tutorials. And you upstage that kid with, I'm going to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were like, what about you, Miss Seams? What would you want to do? And I was like, oh, I think I'd be a doctor. And then I'm not even kidding you. One of my little girls who love her dearly. She was just very matter, like matter of fact. She was like, but it seems you're the teacher. <laughs> wow. How old was this kid? Oh, they were in third grade. So okay. She yeah. was probably nine at the time. Wow. Okay. So uh, moving through, I mean, did kind of your personal statement focus about how you were an educator? Tell us about the, the process and kind of like, like you said, the narrative that you followed. You don't have to tell us exactly what it said, but just kind of how you got through your brand. Yeah. Um, so I think what I kind of tried to convey was that no matter what I've done, I've always, all of my work is always centered around people. Um, whether it's teaching or doing anything else, I, my focus has always been like connecting with other people and getting to know them and trying to help in any way that I can. Um, and that's just been like the biggest blessing in my life. And so I tried to convey that, um, kind of natural progression. I think your personal statement is the one time you have to explain things that aren't conveyed by the rest of your app. So for me, I really needed to convey why the switch like why was i making this move um and you only have a certain amount of characters to do it so i kind of talked about that i don't remember all the details but i do remember talking about that and then i used to work um a little bit in television just on the side and so i kind of conveyed like communicate like communication was my theme that's awesome. I mean, I was going to say, you also worked in television. That's <laughs> like, we, we are learning so much Christina, about you. The jack of all trades. <laughs> what, what haven't you done? Yeah, right? I was going to say, like, I also I, developed... I haven't been the doctor yet, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm invented the roller coaster down the street. I actually built this medical school. <laughs> no, She's, that's incredible. She started the podcast. Don't you guys remember? Yeah, right? So I guess, I guess the... I mean... The the question that we always love to ask at the end of our interviews is is just to talk about what you think that you did extremely well in your application process and what you think looking back, you could have been like, Oh man, I really could have done that better. Oh, there's so many things I could have done better. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the consensus. Yeah, yeah. So like maybe give uh give the listeners one thing that, you know, like definitely should do because I did it and and I think it worked, and then like something that you should do because I wish I would have done it. Okay, while I'm thinking, can you guys talk about what you would have done differently? Yeah, yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I, I thought I did very well was just to have a good, diverse background of experiences. And, and, and to I, I was a very involved person in college. I was, I was the guy who liked to jump into everything and be like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, which often, like, you spread really thin. But at the same time, I kind of learned a lot about different perspectives and again like kind of something that you said was dealing with people and i had a lot of good interaction with people i think that helped a ton um things that i wish i would have done better is realize um a little bit more about how to write um and and how to really get that stuff across because looking back and even like i don't know uh editing other people's essays now i'm like man i did this exact same thing this is this is how it should be done. Like, exactly. So I think just just learning about how to write and asking people that have been through the process recently. I think I, I think I asked a lot of like English teachers how to write this stuff. I asked. And a they lot looked of, at like, you probably like, "What do you mean? How do I write?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that asking a current medical student or you know like a, a something like that would have been very beneficial. Yeah, I'd say. I really liked the way that I was able to convey that I had a lot of experience with people handling real life situations of not just, Hey, how's your day? But like, 
your kid did this to this other kid. We need to talk about this. You're not going to be happy about it. The thing that I really wish that I could have done better along the parallels you is guys take a writing course. (laughs) I kid you not. It will (laughs) save you so much time in your life. You probably don't think it matters, but I'm the same as you, Dion. We've talked about it before. I needed to use this recorder right here to like speak out my personal statement, listen to it, and then type it. Yeah. I just, I can't write. I'm, I'm so bad at it. I can creatively write, but I can't write for like the purpose of something like this. So I would have fixed taking a writing course, gotten better. Sure. Um, Matt was just in his thinker pose, fist on the chin, bent over the chair. I can't he's wait been, to hear what he's going to say. I hope he's thinking about like things that he didn't do well that he wished he did better, and and rather and not thinking so hard about things he did <laughs> do well. What, what worked? What did I do? Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of parallel everyone else's. Um, the one thing I will say I wish I didn't do is ask too many. Is like ask too many people. Mm. Um, so I think. Like in one of the previous episodes, I said that I had like five people read over my personal statement, which helped because they were all like in the medical field, but also it was bad because one person would tell me like, change that, don't include that. And they'd be like, well, you like, you shouldn't include that, but like keep that thing. So I like went back and forth on like a lot of things. Mm. Um, one thing I think I did well is I think, well, you guys have kind of touched about it. Um, like having experiences and trying not to relate them all to medicine. So like I was in the band, I didn't try to relate being in the band to medicine. I was just like, I like playing music. Like it's fun. Yeah. Um, Let it be what it was. Band. Yeah. And not be like, well, uh, you know, I have the, the musical gift to like make <laughs> people be happy and that's going to make them heal. Like it's just kind of going with it and being like, this my is what it brought to my life. Theoretical sutures. Yeah. Oh my feet God. for hours and hours and I can do that in the clinic. No. Okay. But I, but I did say that though. So, oh, good. <laughs> but now your turn. Okay. I actually wasn't thinking while well, you guys were talking, I was just listening to you guys. But, <laughs> Thank you for um, being invested. <laughs> um, okay. Wait, me think. Um, I did a lot of things wrong. I mean, I'm sure we all did, but in hindsight, it's kind of cringy, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I'd have changed that. But <laughs> yeah. um, I think in hindsight, what I would have done differently, I wish that I would have had... I don't know. I think I wish that I would have had um, somebody who worked in admissions at med school. Like, a, I mean, and that's an ideal situation that you know somebody in that capacity, but I wish I would have had somebody who... Um, could kind of help me pick out like, okay, if you include this, this is what they're going to ask you about. Cause I had some interviews that like, they asked me about things that yes, they were in my personal statement, but I'm like, Oh, you're missing the whole point. Like I wish that you would have focused more on this or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so cut out like the, like the filler, almost like yeah. kind of centralized a little bit more. I don't know. I don't even know how to put it into words necessarily, but I, I get I, what I'm, I get what you're putting down though. Yeah. I just think that you should be aware that anything you include, even if it's just like a little line in some, some capacity mm-hmm. in your application is they can and will bring it up. Um, so just be prepared to talk about anything, which is fine. Um, things that I think I did well. I do think one of my strengths, I love to write. So I think that that really helped me when it came to writing my application. But timing-wise, oh, okay, this is a good one. Um, what I think I would have done differently is it's really hard. I don't know about you guys, but after being in these science classes and like taking all the prereqs to apply and then sitting for the MCAT and taking the MCAT – I was just in science mode. I think I forgot how to write and Mm. I love to write. (laughs) It was really hard to change my brain to go from like analytical and logical to like creative and like conveying emotion and feelings and that kind of thing. So I think ideally if you can write your um, application, your little blurbs for all of your activities and then your personal statement, like 
over the course of the year and less like in a couple of months, like a month period when you're all focused on science. I think that's really helpful to give yourself some time, like give yourself some time to like be creative and let those juices flow. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah, a huge that was perfect. <clears throat> Start early again. Like this is not one of those things you want to do last minute. It takes time. It takes a lot of time and it takes, you know, being, being thoughtful, being introspective is not something that's done overnight. You need to really, really sit with this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I mean, honestly, Christina, you're a wealth of information and experience. So we really, really appreciate you coming on here and just kind of, you know, for anyone that's listening that thinks, man, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm out of college or maybe I don't want to do medicine right now, but I might do it in the future. You know, is, is that too crazy? Like, hopefully they can listen to the things that you've said and just know that like determination is everything. Like have your personal brand and, and just really, really know that medicine is a lifelong dedication it's a it's a career that does not have any timeline you get to choose when you want to do it Mm -hmm. so um i don't know if you've heard how we sign off here no i'm excited okay kind of go around the room you'll get the you'll get the hang of it by the by the time it comes to you there's no singing right no no. (laughs) (laughs) we're going on broadway (laughs) i cannot say i wish (laughs) but uh this has been another episode of three guys in a white coat this is matt DeYoung signing off this is mike signing off this is similar signing off christina signing off all right thanks guys take care everybody bye-bye Thank you.